Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18+ plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome in, everybody. Another edition. A week eight edition. College football betting. I'm your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is ready for what should be just a really, really fun Saturday of college football. No, I say it every single week, but this one has a chance to be really special. We're going to preview all the big games. We're going to talk Penn State, Ohio State, that top 10 matchup in Columbus. We'll talk the third Saturday in October, Tennessee at Alabama. Miami Clemson, an interesting matchup of unranked teams. Plus USC, Utah, uh, Michigan, Michigan State. Auburn hosting Ole Miss. We got a lot of fun games on the docket, and we're about to get to all of them. Before we get started, quick reminder, Aaron Torres Media, College Football Betting, the Aaron Torres Pod, we have all partnered, an incredible partnership with DraftKings Sportsbook and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So fired up to be working with DraftKings. Every week, people ask me, Torres, how can I help? What can I do? What do I need to do to support you? Here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. First-time customers, we got an incredible offer for you. Bet $5 on any game. Get 200 in bonus bets instantly when you use the promo code TORS. That's all you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. First-time customers. Bet $5 on any game. Get 200 in bonus bets instantly when you use the promo code TORS. The game I'm talking about is that top 10 matchup in Columbus, Penn State at Ohio State. Ohio State a four-point favorite in the, in the DraftKings Sportsbook. The over-under set at 48. And what's interesting about this game, think you can argue, I don't even know that it's a debate. Out of everyone in the top 10, you know, teams that we're talking about as legitimate national championship contenders or playoff contenders, feels like Penn State is the one we know the least about. They haven't had those super, they didn't have a super marquee out of conference game. You know, Ohio State played Notre Dame, LSU played Florida State, whatever. And then on top of that, they haven't really hit the meat of their Big Ten schedule yet. So they're coming in at six and zero, and I would argue I just don't I don't think we know a ton about them. Their wins are over West Virginia, Delaware, uh, who else? Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, and UMass. Forgive me, it hasn't been the, the the most gauntlet of a schedule. So you could say like Michigan, we don't know much about, but even Michigan, they've got a two year track record. They've won the Big Ten, so we kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, I just don't think anybody really knows what to make of this Penn State team. Well, what I will tell you. They are, they're certainly in for a huge challenge, but they're also a really, really, really good team. And it's interesting because I remember last week in this spot talking about Oregon being one of the more balanced teams in college football. I think Penn State absolutely has to be in that conversation as well. Because when you look at Penn State, and again, I get that the competition has not been great, 
there isn't really an obvious weakness to what they do. Okay. So first of all, on offense, they have a guy that many believe will be a future first round quarterback in Drew Aller. He's awesome. 12 touchdowns, no interceptions this year. They lead the Big Ten in rushing. They have the best offensive tackle in college football who's going to be a top 10 pick next year, Olu Fashinu. And so, first of all, first-round quarterback eventually. He's not eligible for this year. Number one rush attack, uh, two really good backs. Offensive tackle who's going in the top 10 of the draft, that's pretty good. They take care of the football. They're number two in the country in turnover margin. As I said, Drew Aller has not thrown an interception yet. They're number two in the time of possession, which means they beat the crap out of you at the line of scrimmage. And then, oh, by the way, they're even better on defense. It's kind of wild. First of all, it's wild because the top three scoring defenses in college football are Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. So that's kind of an interesting nugget. But Penn State, really good against the run, really, really good against the pass. Number one pass defense in all of college football, have seven interceptions in six games. They're just really good across the board. So that's what you need to know about Penn State. If you haven't watched Penn State, that's what you need to know. They've been good at everything so far this season. Now, admittedly, it's going to be a completely different test against Ohio State. From the Ohio State perspective, you know, considering that really only I would argue that Notre Dame game was a super marquee game, feels like we kind of know who they are, right? But we kind of know that offense isn't quite as good as it's been in years past, but the defense is the best that it's been. And I'll defend Ryan Day, right? I've been a very critical, you know, a vocal critic of Ryan Day. But at the end of the day, when I look at what he said a few weeks ago with Lou Holtz, didn't love him going after Lou Holtz. But I think the narrative that Ohio State's soft, that was maybe true two, three, four years ago. It ain't true this year. They are tough. They are physical. They are really good on defense. Now, the big story for Ohio State coming in, and this is really important. They are really beat up, like abnormally beat up coming into this game. So last week against Purdue, and I get they're playing Purdue. They think, you know, we want to rest guys to get ready for Penn State. But here are among the players who did not play against Purdue. Their best running back, their leading rusher, Travion Henderson, did not play. Their third leading rusher, Mayan Williams, did not play. Their second leading wide receiver, Emeka Abuka, did not play. Oh, by the way, during the game, their second leading rusher, Trip Chip Trainum, Game-winning touchdown against Notre Dame, gets hurt, leaves the game. And their best cornerback, Denzel Burke, gets hurt and leaves the game. And so on Tuesday, Ryan Day did his press conference. He was very noncommittal about who's available and who's not. And I'm sure some of these guys will play. And again, I'm sure some of them were held out for precaution because it was Purdue. But there's at least a possibility that Ohio State is without its top three running backs, its number two wide receiver, and its number one corner. That is insane, and I would add this. I've heard some whispers that Kyle McCord is not even close to 100%. He's got a lower body injury. That's where, um, I don't want to say he struggled because he threw for over 300 yards last week, but where he's missing some throws. And I don't think Marvin Harrison is 100% either. He's he's had a couple things throughout the season. So Ohio State is really banged up coming into this game. The good news is, as I said, that defense is good. And I think ultimately, if Ohio State is to win this game, I think it ultimately comes down to that defense. Now, if you remember last year, Penn State actually had the lead going into the fourth quarter in Happy Valley, and it was the defense that took over. I believe, if my memory is correct, three turnovers forced in the fourth quarter. That was the game that JT Tuimolo, the the defensive lineman, who's himself a top 15, top 20 pick, maybe even higher. Maybe that's insulting. Maybe he's top 10 pick. 
that was his breakout game. Multiple force fumbles, uh, a, a pick six, or he had an interception. I don't remember if it was picked. Point, point being, this was a breakout game for Ohio State's defense last year. And bluntly, if Ohio State is going to win this game, that is to me how it's going to have to be done. I don't think you're moving the ball up and down the field on this Penn State defense. But at the same time, this Penn State offense does have some questions, most notably a quarterback. Drew Aller, great recruit, great talent, but he certainly hasn't faced the type of talent on defense that he is going to face from Ohio State. And again, ultimately, can you get pressure on him? Can you make him uncomfortable? Can you make him make mistakes? At the end of the day, though, it's time to make a pick, and I'm just going to be blunt. I like Penn State to go into Columbus, and I like Penn State to win this game outright. And let me explain why. It's really a few things. One, I just think Penn State is really good. Now, I remember, by the way, I picked Penn State to make the college football playoff. My college football playoff four before the season um, was Michigan as the Big Ten champion, Alabama as the SEC champ, Florida State as the ACC champ, and then Penn State as an at-large. We'll see if it holds up, but I have liked Penn State. I have believed in Penn State. And an important note in this game, I think for the first time, maybe in a decade, you can legitimately argue Penn State has as much talent as Ohio State. Not a knock on Ohio State, not a knock on Ryan Day, not trying to tear down a, a Ryan Day. But at the same time, James Franklin's been very vocal about this. They have built a roster to compete with Ohio State. He saw the speed and the athleticism of this team about three, four, five years ago. And he said, you know, we got to do something comparable to that. By the way, it's why they've struggled with Michigan, because Michigan's just run the ball right at you and beat you up at the line of scrimmage. Neither here nor there will preview Penn State, Michigan when the time comes. But when I look at this game, Penn State, I think they probably have more dudes going into this game. Remember, we talked about this in August. Bruce Feldman's freaks list came out. Boy, by the way, busy day for Bruce Feldman on today's show, right? We just talked about him with the Jimbo Fisher report. But then also on top of that, uh, Bruce Feldman does the freaks list every year, the, the freakiest players in college football. Penn State set a record this year for the number of guys on that list. I think they had five or six. And so they have the talent on defense. Chop Robinson on the edge is a first round talent. Abdul Carter at linebacker is not draft eligible this year, but he will be a first rounder when he is draft eligible. And that secondary is the best secondary that Ohio State has seen all year. Although Notre Dame was good and Notre Dame really limited the passing attack. So you have, I think, comparable talent. You have a rested Penn State team. This is an important part. And we talked about this in, in August, and this is part of why I picked Penn State to make the college football playoff. Look at how the schedule broke for Penn State. Two weeks ago, they had a bye. Last week, they had UMass. Love UMass. Love the Minutemen. Shout out John Calipari, that 96 Final Four team. But at the same time, like, like they've basically had three full weeks to get ready for Ohio State, but more importantly, to get healthy for Ohio State. Meanwhile, Ohio State, they played Notre Dame, physical game, go into their bye, Maryland and Purdue, neither of those teams is a gauntlet by any stretch, but those are back-to-back -back Big Ten games. Maryland gave them, you know, fits for a half, whatever. And so you look at Ohio State, they're more beat up. Penn State is rested. Penn State, you look at the numbers, and, and I had somebody send me something this week. Like, you look at the number of snaps that these guys have played, they just haven't played nearly as much or had to play nearly as much as Ohio State because the competition hasn't been as good. So they're well-rested, two weeks, really three to prepare. And the last thing I'll say, I, I do think, and this is something Ohio State fans are upset about, the big noon kickoff 
hurts like it hurts Ohio State. It just does. We can argue, we can debate, we can this, we can that, we can the other thing. But you look at how the schedule breaks and you look at the fact that this is a noon kickoff instead of a 7.30 Eastern time ABC game. I have no skin in the game. I'm excited to have it at noon. But at the same time, that is it's just not going to be the same atmosphere. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Buckeye horseshoe, you know, Buckeye Nation, the horseshoe is going to be popping. But for this game to be a noon kickoff, that is a tough, tough, tough break for Ohio State because they could have used the crowd support in their favor. So in the end, this is the only game I'm picking today. I'll do the rest of my picks on Friday. But give me Penn State in a close, low-scoring 21-17 to game. I like Penn State to go into the horseshoe and get the win outright. Won't be betting the over-under because I think it's low-scoring. But I like Penn State to win this game. All right, so what we're going to do, take a quick break. Come back. When we come back, we'll wrap. The first college hoops AP poll top 25 is out. We'll tell you what I liked, what I don't like, all that good stuff. Quick break. Be right back. All right, let's get to some of the other big games in the week eight college football slate. And let's start with the one that you could quite literally set your watch to. It is the third Saturday in October, which means that we are going to get Tennessee and Alabama. Alabama, an eight and a half point favorite in this game in the DraftKings Sportsbook. The over under set at 48 and a half as this game returns to Tuscaloosa. And what's interesting about this game is a few things. I think one, first of all, it is the fact that Tennessee is coming into this game off of a win. First time in forever last year in Knoxville was magical. We all watched it. We all saw it. We all saw the field storming. We all saw the cigar smoking. We all saw the goalposts going into the river. It was an incredible moment in time. And as I look ahead to this game, something stands out to me. Okay. So we're at the halfway point of college football for virtually everybody. A lot of teams have buys. A lot of teams are off. And this is really an important time of year for self-scouting for coaches. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What needs to be fixed? Well, you know what, Tennessee fans, guess what? You know who did a little self-scouting this week? Your boy, Torres, okay? Because Vol fans, let me say this. I think coming out of last week's win over Texas A&M, as I look back, something strikes me. I think I was way too negative from the Texas A&M perspective, and I don't think I gave Tennessee enough credit for going out and getting that win. Beyond that, what stands out to me, I think you can argue that Josh Heupel is doing as good of a coaching job as anybody in college football this year. And what I mean by that is pretty straightforward, right? Coaching isn't just recruiting great players, letting them loose and whatever. I mean, that's what we think some guys do, but part of coaching is one, having a system, a scheme or whatever, but it is adjusting what you do based on the personnel you have. Some years you got guys that operate the system and the, the, the style play that you want at the highest level possible. Other years you don't, and you can either try to stick a square peg in a round hole or you can adjust what you do. And so I bring it up with Josh Heupel because I think if Josh Heupel had his way, he would love to just have had the next hen and hooker available to him and they just plug in the next guy. And oh, by the way, the offense doesn't miss a beat. Throw the ball all over the field, super high tempo, whatever. But what he realized is, and this is no disrespect, it's just the truth, Joe Milton is not Josh, is not Hennon Hooker, and because of it, they have completely changed their style of play. They run the ball at an insane level. You know, Tennessee has the number one rush offense in the SEC this year uh, after a year ago having the number one pass offense in this league. I think they're about 7th, 8th, ninth in the SEC in passing this year. They're averaging over 5, I think it's something like 5 yards per carry, 
But beyond that, last week against a great Texas A&M front, Joe Milton, 22 pass attempts, 100 yards. They ran the ball for 232 yards, 49 carries in that game, almost five yards per carry. An unbelievable effort, but it speaks to what Josh Heupel has done. In one offseason, they have gone from a super high-profile passing attack to a line-of-scrimmage football team. The defense, by the way, is operating at a really high level as well. Statistically, they're very similar to this this Alabama defense, which I think is phenomenal, but the one that we've all in the national media been raving about, Tennessee statistically matches up very nicely. Beyond that, and I think this is important in this game, because Nick Saban has talked about their inability to protect the passer. Well, guess what Tennessee does about as well as anybody? Uh, They get to the quarterback, James Pierce, Tyler Barron, uh, with a combined, I think it's 11 sacks this season as a team. They are third in the SEC in sacks. So, again, credit to Josh Heupel. Get after the quarterback, run the football, play defense. This is not Hennon Hooker's Tennessee Volunteers. Now, in terms of the Alabama perspective in this game, you know, a couple things. One, I think everybody wants to make last week against Arkansas a really big thing. It's no disrespect to Arkansas, but I don't see it that way, okay? Alabama's coming off an emotional win against AM two weeks ago. They're at home, 11 a.m. local time kickoff. By the way, you know you have your rivalry game against Tennessee next week, a team that you lost, then lost to last year. Then you have a week off. Then you have your rivalry game against LSU, a team that you also lost to a year ago. And so I bring it up because I don't want to make excuses for Bama, but Arkansas is a team that has played everybody tough this year. Remember, Arkansas has five losses. They're two and five. Four of them are by a touchdown or less. Arkansas has lost to LSU by three at home, Alabama or three on the road, excuse me, Alabama by three on the road, Ole Miss by seven on the road. So yes, they've already played Ole Miss, LSU, and Bama on the road. And then also BYU at home by a touchdown in a game where they had a million penalties. Point I'm trying to make, Arkansas plays hard. And so I'm not sure that I'm totally sold that last week, a close game, that it means all that much. At this point, we know who Alabama is. Much like Tennessee, they have had to adjust on the fly Because I think the style of play that they're playing this year, not sold that in a perfect world, this is how Nick Saban would play, but it's who they've become. They run the ball reasonably well, and they just play lights out defense, okay? Play lights out defense, get after you, get after the quarterback. Dallas Turner is playing at an All-American level. Um, And then, oh, by the way, you hope that Joe Milton can hit hit a deep ball here or there for the big play. Now, in terms of this game, what, what I would just say, and, and, and as far as a prediction is concerned, I don't think that I'm, I'm breaking any news here that like most people who cover this sport, if I was going to make an actual bet on this game, to me, the under is the play here. 48 and a half is the over under. And I think it's for, for all the reasons we've talked about. Tennessee, they don't like like thing that stood out about that game against uh, Texas A&M last week. They want to run the football. And they do not want to put too much on Joe Milton's shoulders. Again, Joe Milton, 100 yards passing a week ago. That is an insane stat when you really think about it. So they're not going to want to pass the ball much. Same with Alabama. And Alabama, to me, feels like they have bought into this identity that we're tough, we're physical, we're old school Bama, we're going to beat you up, we're unafraid of you. And that is what the results have dictated. They play close. They play low scoring. They don't beat themselves these last couple of weeks. And this is how they're going to have to win games. Look at their SEC results from throughout the season. Ole Miss, 24 to 10. Okay. Close game, low scoring, relied on the defense. By the way, take out Mississippi State because Mississippi State's defense is terrible. But 24 to 10 against Ole Miss, 
26 to 23 or 26 to 20 against Texas A&M. And then last week, 24 to 21 against Arkansas. Again, if I was betting, I would take the under that feels like the right side to me. If I have to make an official pick, I'll say 21 to 17 Alabama wins. Being at home matters. Having the chip on your shoulder from last year matters. And really what this game comes down to, does either quarterback make a mistake? Feels like both coaches are going to play things close to the vest, but let's give credit to Tennessee. After that Florida loss, I think everybody kind of gave up on that team and that program. All of a sudden, they're sitting here at 5-1 and one going into this game, ranked in the top 20. I know that doesn't make Tennessee fans feel great if you don't win this game, but I think Josh Heupel deserves a lot of credit for what he has done this year. Let's wrap this first segment uh, with one final game. And it's interesting because there's a couple more top 25 matchups that we got to get to, certainly some big ones. But there is a game in name brand recognition only that I think is worth discussing and having a conversation about. And that is the unranked matchup between Clemson and Miami at Hard Rock Stadium, Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, ACC Network. So first of all, that's all you need to know. ESPN ABC had the option of Duke at Florida State, Clemson at Miami. ABC takes Duke, Florida State, Clemson at Miami's on the ACC network, Clemson a three-point favorite, the over-under in this one, 48 and a half, just like Bama, Tennessee, we just talked about a minute ago. Now, in terms of this game, listen, I, I think the thing that's kind of overshadowing this matchup, it is Dabo Sweeney's comments earlier in this week. And I know everybody's moved on, and I know that he has kind of run them back a little bit or, or pulled back on them a little bit. But I do think they're worth noting here because I do think it speaks to the psyche of Clemson and where this program is at coming into this game. For those who did not see the comments, I'm assuming most people who care enough to listen to a show like this probably have. But Dabo was kind of asked about the state of the fan base. Clemson's coming off a bye and really didn't have some very nice things to say about the fan base. This is what he said. He said, we're at a point in our time, and I hate that, where people, if you don't go undefeated, you're losers. You're terrible. And it's just such a terrible mindset. And honestly, maybe we need to lose a few games and lighten up the bandwagon. Sometimes the bandwagon gets a little too full. So one, I'll just be blunt. Listen, you know, I'm not going to do the whole thing. Crush Dabo. He's the worst human in the world. That's not what I'm going to do. But what I do think is one, I don't love calling out your fans because I know that, you know, boosters and TV contracts, they help pay the bills. But fans are the backbone of any great program. And the reason that you make eight, nine, 10, 11 million dollars a year, Dabo to coach football, is because those fans love Clemson football. They love what you've done for them. And they love the standard that you've set. And they want to stay on top of the sport. And so that's what stands out to me is like, I don't love going after the fans. But to me, the other thing that stands out is this Dabo's way of kind of lowering expectations, lowering the bar on his program. Because I remember back in the day when Dabo knew he had the best team, when he knew he had Trevor Lawrence and he knew he had all those guys, he wouldn't say stuff like this. It would be the exact opposite. Remember that year going into the playoff 2020 COVID season? He's like, yeah, I don't think Ohio State should even be in there. They don't, they, they can't compete with us. They only played six games this year. Now they ended up losing that game, but it doesn't change the fact that Dabo, when he has the dudes, when he's got the alphas, he's got the confidence and he's not afraid to share it. And so him saying stuff like this, it leads me to believe that he knows in his heart of hearts, this team ain't built the way that I thought it was. And this team is going to have its hands full on Saturday. And I think that's exactly how I feel going into this game. By the way, it is worth noting, and I want to be fair, Dabo did pull back those comments a little bit. He said 98.5% of my fans are awesome. 
but it's the one and a half that, you know, are, are, are driving people crazy. But again, if you're eight and oh, and you're destroying everybody like you were a few years ago, I don't know that you'd be acting this way. And so I bring it up because looking at this game, Clemson's going to have their hands full. By the way, this open as a three and a half point fate, uh, Clemson is a three and a half point favorite. They're down to three points. But when I look at this game beyond that, a couple things stand out. One, Clemson, and it speaks to what Dabo said a minute ago. They're struggling to move the football right now, especially through the air. This Garrett Riley offense, it was supposed to click. It was supposed to move the ball. It was supposed to this. It was supposed to that. You know that Cade Klubnik right now is averaging like six and a half yards per completion? That's like half of what Jaden Daniels and LSU are doing. I think LSU is like 11 and a half yards per completion. Cade Klubnik is at six and a half. Part of it is on him. I don't think he's been that good. And part of it is on the fact that I don't think those, those wide receivers can really separate and they don't have the Sammy Watkins, the Mike Williams, the T Higgins guys that they've had in the past. So I bring it up because this to me speaks to, I think Dabo kind of knows we got our hands full on Saturday. It is worth noting, by the way, I think this is an important stat as well, as far as this Clemson offense. Now they're running the ball very effectively, but Cade Klubnik, people would push back. Oh, you know, you're, 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 you're being too tough. 11 touchdowns, four interception, four interceptions on his part. You know, of those 11 touchdowns, seven came against either Florida Atlantic or Charleston Southern. So it's not like they're throwing the ball all over the field against everybody. They threw the ball all over the field against inferior competition. In their three ACC games so far, four, I guess it would be, they they have only thrown four touchdown passes. And the last time we saw them, it was 17 to 12, a final score against a Wake Forest team that is currently, as I'm recording here, 0-3 in the ACC and 3-3 and overall. So this team is not the vintage Clemson teams of the past. Defense is still really good, especially against the, the, the run. But Miami, on the other hand, let's switch gears to them. Because when I look at this Miami team, a couple things, in my opinion, are true about them. One, probably a little bit record that, better than that 4-2 and two record indicates. But they also have shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again the last two weeks and probably deserve to have those two losses. When they've been on and great like they were against Texas A&M, they look like a legitimate top 15 team. But this is a team, and this was a thing that kind of followed Mario Cristobal from Oregon. In the big moments, in the big games, oftentimes they beat themselves. Last two games for Miami, nine total turnovers that is unacceptable anywhere across college football okay four two weeks ago against georgia tech including that very notable fumble that would have sealed the game if they had just taken a knee and then five more last week against uh against uh against uh north carolina on the road you can't do that against a future first round pick again in drake may and the wild part is miami moved the football like i think that's the part you look at that game you say oh they lost by 10 it wasn't even close no 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 they moved the football, the Miami Hurricanes did. They just kept coughing it up. In that game, uh, North Carolina had a little over 500 yards of total offense. Miami, on the other hand, had 482 yards of total offense, including 391 through the air. So that's the good news, is they are moving the football. They are effective. They need to take care of the football. Like I said, I think I said five turnovers last week. It was four last week, five the week before. But nine in two games is simply too many. And so when I look at this game, I don't trust the Clemson offense. I don't trust the Miami offense to not turn the ball over. So it feels like a stay away to me. 
If I had to take a side, probably similar to Alabama, Tennessee, I would probably actually take the under in this one simply because it's a game where I think I do trust the, 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 the defenses, you know, relatively speaking, Miami, very good against the run top 10 run defense in college football. I think that's important because remember Clemson don't pass the ball. Well, as I just said, they do run the ball relatively effectively. I think they would lean on the run if they can. I think they're going to have as much trouble as any game all season running the ball. This is the best run defense that Clemson has seen. Yes, I include Florida State. Yes, I include Duke. Pass defense is pretty good for Miami as well. But then from the Miami perspective, this is the best defense that they have seen so far this year by a country mile. Clemson still gets the job done on defense with all those linebackers, Jeremiah Trotter, Barrett Carter, whatever. But the question is, can they get the plays downfield that they need to? So in the end, not going to belabor the point. Dabo didn't love the comments, but more importantly, just think that it speaks to me. I think he knows this team is limited, even with Garrett Riley in as the offensive coordinator, even with Cade Klubnick and his quarterback. I'm not betting this game, but if I had to take a side, I'd probably lean under. If I had to pick a side, I'm actually probably going Miami. Home crowd in their in their favor. They have the better quarterback. They have the better skill position, guys. think the defensive personnel probably favors Clemson. But again, I'm not betting either side. I would probably lean the under. I just want to do take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about the rest of a loaded week eight slate. Talk about some of those Pac-12 games, most notably Utah, USC. Go back to the Big Ten, uh, Michigan, Michigan State. Back to the SEC with a couple big ones there. Quick break. Be right back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's get to the rest of the week. Eight slate in college football. Cannot believe we are here. Uh, but let's get to the rest of the week eight slate. As always, by the way, a reminder, we are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Everybody always says, Torres, how can I help you? Well, here's how. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. First-time customers, bet $5 on any game, get 200 in bonus bets instantly when you use the code Torres. You want to help me out. Do that. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, bonus code Torres, and you get 200 in bonus bets for any $5 bet on any game. All right, let's keep the party going. There are two other top 25 matchups. Now, one of them is Duke at Florida State. Florida State, a 13.5-point favorite. And I'll just be blunt. I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. As of right now, there's speculation that Riley Leonard, the star quarterback for Duke, could be back for that game. But we don't know for sure, and until then, stay away. If we know Riley Leonard is playing, i probably like Duke to cover. If if Riley Leonard is not playing, then i like Florida State to cover. I will be staying away until further notice. The other top 25 matchup, though, is a very interesting one. Number 14, Utah at number 18, USC. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific at the L.A. Coliseum. USC, a seven-point favorite in the DraftKings Sportsbook. The over-under set at 56. And what's interesting about this game, a couple things. One... Obviously, uh, last year, USC went 11-3. and Two of those losses were to Utah. Their only regular season loss was at Utah. So that's one. Utah had their number last year. But two, the big story, we all know what it is, USC coming off that embarrassing game against Notre Dame. And it's interesting because coming out of that game, like I think there's been a lot of just, just chatter about USC. And I think most of it has been on Lincoln Riley. First of all, Lincoln Riley, first of all, USC's played essentially four games in a row where they have not looked good. Arizona State, Caleb Williams had to be Superman. Colorado, they beat they, they beat 48 to 41. Defense falls apart in the second half. Arizona, they win despite falling down 17-0. And then it finally caught up with them last week when they just got destroyed by Notre Dame. And so it's interesting because after the game, you know, Lincoln Riley kind of had the back of his defense and basically said, Yeah, a lot of this is on Caleb Williams. The throws were there. He wasn't good enough. And I know that there's like this notion that everything Lincoln, like Lincoln Riley's a con man and he screwed over Oklahoma and everything he says is a a crock of, you know what? I think Lincoln Riley is right on this one. You go back and look at that game. Listen, you go back and look at the last two games. Caleb Williams has not been great. The last two games doesn't mean he's bad. Doesn't mean he's regressing. Doesn't mean he shouldn't be the number one pick, but it also doesn't mean that he is immune to criticism either. You can go back to Arizona two weeks ago. He really didn't play that well. Now, he was great down the stretch, but early in that game, he struggled and was able to bail out his team, not so much against Notre Dame when he had the three interceptions. So really, it's a two-game sample size for Caleb Williams where he has not been good. And I went back and looked it up just to see. Numbers back that up. The last two games, 37 of 62, 59% completion percentage. This for a guy that's completing well over 70% of his passes on the season. Uh, On top of that, and I think this is important as well, 
in those two games, he has two touchdowns and three interceptions. And he's been sacked 10 times in the last two games. He was only sacked seven times total in USC's first five games. What that says to me, he's holding on to the ball too long. Everyone wants to blame it all on the, on the offensive line. And I'm not saying the O-line has been great, but some of it is he's holding on the ball too long. And some of it is he's trying to make the great play rather than the smart, easy play. As Lincoln Riley said, there have been moments where he can get the ball out of his hand and he's choosing not to do it. So I think Caleb Williams is better this weekend. And I think the interesting question becomes, one, how does that USC O-line and Caleb Williams handle what will be a very similar defense to what they saw last last week against Notre Dame? Utah, for all of their struggles offensively, they are still elite defensively, top 10 in the country in sacks, most in the Pac-12. And they're also in the top 10 nationally in turnover margin with 10 turnovers forced in just six games this season. Problem for you at Utah is they can't move the football. And Cam Rising is not back. We don't know what exactly is going on, but he's actually had to come out and defend himself this year. Um, you know, Kyle Whittingham kind of got tired of being asked about it. And so probably about two weeks ago, Cam Rising was like, look, we're doing everything we can, but I'm not 100%. Bottom line, though, is it has affected this offense. This offense just has not been very good, okay? 117th nationally in total offense out of 133 teams. 125th in pass D, a pass offense, okay? So if this USC defense, which has taken so much criticism, last week, by the way, was not on them. They gave up 251 yards against Notre Dame. They just had terrible field position because the, the, the offense keep, kept giving the ball back. This is the week. USC, you want to prove all the doubters wrong? All the people like me that are saying you're a 3-4 loss team, you're going to get destroyed by Washington, destroyed by Oregon? It starts this week. This defense has to get better, and it has to start this week. We'll see if it does because this Utah team is not very good offensively. In terms of the game, in terms of the spread over under, I'll be honest. Like, like I actually think probably you could make a very strong argument that the over under, the under of 56 is probably the smart play. Went back and looked it up just for fun. The totals of every Utah game this year, 48 against Cal last week, 28 against Oregon, 21 against UCLA, 38 against Weber State, 33 against Baylor, 35 against Florida. So this game, you would have to have a touchdown more than any game Utah has scored all year. But at the same time, I do think because of the Caleb Williams factor, probably will stay away from the under, although I do think it's a little bit more low scoring. Instead, I do like USC to win. Listen, I don't think they're a perfect team. I think they're a three-loss team, and I think Lincoln Riley is going to face some real heat as he enters the offseason, right? Because remember, by the way, they don't play the final week of the regular season. So their season's going to be done. Caleb Williams is going to declare for the draft. And then leading into the bowl game, they're going to have some real questions about the future of that program. Same time, I don't think this is the week where they get exposed. I expect USC to win. I expect USC to cover. I think it's something in the neighborhood of like 35 to 21, which ironically would be right on the number of 56. But instead, I will take USC to win and cover. I think back at home, I think they bounce back. Let's keep it going. Let's go to the SEC really quick. Very interesting matchup on the Plains. Ole Miss at Auburn. Ole Miss is a six and a half point favorite on the road. The over under set at 55 in this game. Obviously, like so many games in college football, a lot of juicy storylines here. Most notably, there are people on the Plains that will tell you that Lane Kiffin had an offer from Auburn this time last year. There are people that tell you Lane Kiffin accepted that offer or that he was pretty darn close. Now, my sourcing says it really never got that close. 
he wanted to use Auburn to leverage Ole Miss, whatever the case may be. The bottom line is there was a lot of flirtation there. And then just overall, this has been a very interesting matchup and one that historically has actually really favored Auburn. Lane Kiffin brought this up at his press conference on Monday of this week. It kind of blew my mind. These teams haven't played every year in the history of, of college football, but they've played every year since 1990. And they've played, you know, all, there was about an eight-year gap where they didn't play. But do you know, Lane Kiffin brought this up, Ole Miss, which beat Auburn last year, they have not beaten Auburn in back-to-back seasons since 1951 and 1952. That's one of those college football stats that just feels made up, but it is 100% accurate. I looked it up, unless Wikipedia is lying to me. Uh, Wikipedia has never lied to anybody. This is a matchup that has been dominated by Auburn, but it's also a matchup that when Ole Miss wins, it's generally when they're ranked and Auburn is unranked, which is what's going on coming into this game. One thing I'll say about Auburn, well, really a couple things. We've talked about it on this show. I've mentioned it in all my, my written work. Hugh Freeze is brutally honest when it comes to his team. And you can kind of tell sometimes in the lead up to a game that he doesn't feel very good about how his team matches up, set it against Texas A&M. He's like, we just don't have the dudes up front, set it against LSU. He said, it's the best receiving core, best offensive personnel I have seen personally while I've been in this league, wasn't here for the Joe Burrow years. But when I've been in this league, this is the best offensive personnel I've seen. I bring it up because this week it felt like there was a little bit of a quiet confidence to him. Not like, oh, we're going to go and dominate. But I think he feels like they match up better, especially, by the way, at home. I think the key for them will obviously be find that balance that they had a few weeks ago against Georgia. Georgia, they lost the game, but they were able to move the ball on the ground. They were able to get creative with how they they they, they used Peyton Thorne. They used a little bit of Robbie Ashford. There's talk this week that Robbie Ashford, the backup quarterback, will get more significant snaps. I think you need to just to keep everybody on their toes. If you're Auburn, you know, you're looking at a, a situation where as we enter this week, the Auburn Tigers are, of course, struggling in the SEC, which is not that big of a surprise. But you're sitting at three and three overall after six games. You've lost your first three SEC games. You need to get some kind of positive momentum going into the back half of the year. And I think at home, this is a big one for them. Now, the thing I will say about Auburn, even though they're three and three, zero and three in the SEC, they have faced probably the toughest part of their schedule outside of Alabama, at LSU, Georgia at home, at Texas A&M when Texas A&M was full strength. Can't say that you have not been challenged. Whereas Ole Miss, they've largely done their work at home. They lose to Alabama early in SEC play, then from there beat LSU, beat Arkansas at home, coming off of a bye. But remember, those two wins were by a touchdown apiece. 55-49 against LSU, and then I think it was 28-21, something like that against Arkansas. So to me, I look at this Ole Miss team. Not a knock on Lane Kiffin. This is just reality. I think they've been good. I don't think they've been great in a season where they enter this game at 5-1 and one overall. Again, two, two wins at home by a touchdown. LSU-Arkansas. Had to really rally to put away Tulane. It was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter, and Georgia Tech was close into the third. Middle of the third, I think it was like 17-3, to three, and Ole Miss ended up winning by 30. So on the road, in a night game at Auburn, I actually like Auburn to cover this game. Now, are they going to win outright? I don't know, but I like that six and a half. I think this feels like a 28-24 type game. Ole Miss, are they going to be able to move the ball on the road the way that they have at home? Close, low scoring. 
Give me Auburn to cover in this game. A couple other SEC games, you know, South Carolina at Missouri. Big story this one. How about our boy Shade Bieber? You know, he pulled the old, uh, you know, the liar, liar. Have you ever seen liar, liar? When uh, Jim Carrey's trying to get out of the trial and he, he just starts beating himself up in the, in, in the, in the bathroom. That was kind of Shane Beamer, just kicking walls and breaking feet and whatever. Missouri is seven point favorite at home. The over under set at 60. Um, listen, I, I think we kind of know about both these teams. Missouri's really good. Like Missouri, you know, everyone wants to bash Eli Drinkwitz and what's his deal and da da da. He's kind of a nerd, whatever. They got themselves a very good football team. You know, Brady Cook to me, I think has really been one of the breakout stars all of college football this year. And you look at this team. And what they just did in Lexington last week, I thought was one of the more impressive games that I have seen all season from pretty much anybody. 38 points, 332 yards of total offense, uh, seven yards per completion. Like I said, Brady Cook to me has been an absolute breakout star this season. On the year, 71% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. And really they did it in a week where a couple guys were banged up coming in. Now, Cody Schrader ended up playing in that game, but he was less than 100%. Uh, all the, the wide receivers, Luther Burden, et cetera, played in that game. Just a great, great, great effort for them. And the good news is you're going up against a South Carolina team that has the worst defense in the SEC right now this season. Uh, from the South Carolina perspective, listen, we kind of joked about Shane Beamer, but at the same time, what stands out to me about them, they have been able to move the football through the air. And I give Spencer Rattler a ton of credit because this is a guy that's taken a lot of arrows in terms of kind of being a punching bag on a national scale. This guy is a warrior for this South Carolina team. And bluntly, he's like the only thing really going that's positive for them. 73% completion percentage, 11 touchdowns, even in their, their losses. He's been really good last week against Florida threw for four touchdowns, one interception, um, you know, three touchdowns earlier in the year against Mississippi state. So I look at this game, Missouri does not have a very good pass defense. Missouri's going to win, but I do think the over feels right to me. South Carolina, again, the worst defense in the SEC. Missouri, the worst uh, 73rd ranked pass defense in college football. Give me the over. I think Missouri wins somewhere in the neighborhood of like 37-31, but the over feels like the right spot to me. Keep it going. A couple other games before we get out of here. One. Michigan at Michigan State, Michigan, a 24 point favorite in this game. And I'll tell you, you know, my I went against my own rule last week and I regret it. My rule all, all year since the Nebraska game about three weeks ago, I said blindly bet Michigan. They are not only winning, they are destroying everybody. Last week, Michigan was a 33 and a half point favorite against Indiana. I did not bet it and I regret it. But the bottom line remains here are Michigan's last three games, okay? They were a 17-point favorite at Nebraska, one by 35. They were a 19-point favorite at Minnesota, one by 42. They were a 33-and-a-half-point favorite last week, one by 42. And I think they win by, by, by more than the 24 here. I know they're on the road. I know it's a night game. I know it's a rivalry game. At the same time, remember, last time they went to Michigan State, they lost. That was that classic game first year that Harbaugh really had kind of righted the ship. But Mel Tucker beat them. Everybody thought, oh, the rivalry, it's, you know, little brothers become big brother. But then also, remember last year in Ann Arbor, the tunnel situation, the fight, it got ugly. This is personal. 
And I think Michigan really, especially on the road, really kind of likes giving it to people and kind of just not just winning, but doing the thing where you beat somebody so bad that their fans are out of the stadium by the end of the third quarter. I think Michigan gets a thrill out of that. I'm going to say 42 to three is the final score. I think Michigan wins and covers. Um, and then some other games, you know, listen, I, I mentioned Duke, Florida state or yeah, Duke, Florida state. I'll definitely be staying away from that one. Um, you know, Washington state at Oregon, I think is an interesting one. Washington state coming off just an embarrassing, embarrassing performance against, uh, Arizona credit to Arizona, by the way, 44 to six was the final score there. Oregon coming off that emotional loss. My hunch tells me Washington state will keep it close, but I will not be betting it. How about this? Wisconsin at Illinois over under set at 42. Wisconsin without Tanner Mordecai. Tanner Mordecai, stay away from me. Texas off their buy is at Houston, 23 and a half point favorite. Definitely a stay away. Uh, Central Florida going to Oklahoma. This is the Dylan Gabriel Bowl. Remember, Dylan Gabriel started his career at Central Florida, played for a year for Gus Malzahn, got hurt, decided to transfer. Oklahoma's a 19 point favorite. I would lean Oklahoma in that game. Mississippi State, Arkansas did not talk about. I like Arkansas to win by six. Uh, the spread is six, excuse me. I think Arkansas wins and covers. I said it earlier with the Alabama stuff. Arkansas has been close. Three-point loss at Alabama, three-point loss at LSU, touchdown loss at Ole Miss. First game in five weeks that they are back home. think they get the win and cover. Uh, and then a late-night game that I think is worth keeping an eye on. UCLA at Stanford. Stanford, of course, coming off the emotional comeback against uh, Colorado. But it's worth noting, um, this is a game where Dante Moore is not great on the road, the freshman quarterback for UCLA. He has not been very good. Getting 17 points for Stanford at home feels like a lot. I would probably lean Stanford there. And I think that's it. I'm trying to look if there's anything else I've missed. I think we pretty much covered everything. And I do think it's time to get out of here. First of all, thank you as always for your support. If you're not subscribed to the college football betting pod, please make sure to do so. Numbers, by the way, have been awesome on this show. So thank you for your support. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, College Football Betting with Aaron Torres really would appreciate your support there. Um, Also, Aaron Torres pod, make sure you're following there, subscribed, all that good stuff. And thank you again to our partners, DraftKings. Bet $5 on any game. Get 200 in bonus bets instantly when you use the code TORPS. That is all for our Week 8 preview. Thank you guys and girls for your support again. Cannot thank you enough for everything you do for this show and for Aaron Torres Media. Be back next week to preview a loaded Week 9. Of course, the cocktail party will be next week. How about this? Is next week the final Saturday of October? I think it is. That's kind of crazy. See everybody next week. Enjoy Week 8. I will be back. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.